The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Tell how many calories I burned this morning. And welcome. Good morning, Rutherford County. Ronnie Martin is, is on with Jan Stewart. Good morning, and, Truman. Uh, is, is there anything interesting going on anywhere, uh, either in government or the bank business or, or whatever? You know, uh, one of the things that is very high on our priority list right now are, is that for those people who received PPP loans, payment protection plan loans. That sounds kind of gross, PPP. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were probably pretty happy for it when they got it. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so, uh, of course, there were two rounds of PPP lending that the SBA. I quit saying that. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah. The SBA uh, yeah. loans. I just got through drinking a big okay. cup of coffee. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to turn the water on while yeah. you're sitting over there. <laughs> but uh, if, if, if recipients of those SBA loans have not applied for forgiveness, um, I would encourage them wherever they did that to go ahead and apply for forgiveness. Um, we've had great success getting those loans forgiven for people that applied for them and received the funds, the SBA. Mm -hmm. I don't think we've had a single one that has not been forgiven. And, you know, that was really good for small businesses and small companies to keep them uh, afloat when either the doors were locked and they couldn't open or they had to cut capacity inside of their business to comply yeah. with you know covid related pandemic restrictions so anyway just a little encouragement on the banking side for people to apply for forgiveness if they have not bless their hearts they're having a lot of trouble almost all the small businesses keeping people working there i don't know what's happened to the to to um people like us that uh that I don't know what we would do at a younger age not being able to be employed in today's world. I don't know what keeps everything going and moving. Yeah, it, it, I hear a lot, and, um, you know, the city, we take some, some lumps related to what we pay sometimes, especially mm -hmm. at part-time wages or um, at the lower end of the salary scale, um, I was reading some stuff yesterday where uh, we posted some jobs and people were kind of being critical about that. And what's interesting about that is I know people that are paying 12 13 $14 an hour and having difficulty finding employees or keeping employees. Yeah, McDonald's is paying a whole lot more than is that. Is it like $17, $18 yeah, an hour? Yeah, yeah. can you imagine well, and so when we're when we're trying to find labor resources at nine and ten dollars an hour as a city, you know that's that's tough sledding, as they say. That'd be tough to do. Um, in some of the places, you're having a hard time finding uh, 
let's say teachers, mm-hmm. uh, law enforcement people. Um, it, it has. Um, it, it's really. Um, we're we're in a different world right now than what I remember because mm-hmm. um, all of those positions were respected positions over all the years, and and a, and a lot of work goes into becoming um, at the highest level of each one of those, and you don't control a lot of it because uh, teachers and the uh, framework uh, of of the classroom. It changed drastically mm-hmm. over the years, as Jan would know, uh, with Larry being a principal for many, many years. And um, it, it, it's a sad thing that um, the world has changed so much that uh, I'm not too sure that I would want to be starting school now and and then starting uh, new in law enforcement yeah starting uh, yeah especially in law enforcement my gosh mm-hmm. uh but um um that that's the scope of what's happening in today's world you know we we talk a lot about um those key people inside of whether it be organizations government or mm-hmm. you know uh, businesses for-profit businesses or nonprofits or whatever and in government you know one of the things we talk a lot about is safety if you can't yeah. provide a safe environment everything else is built upon that yeah. which you know that pulls in emergency services police fire you know ems and i think um i think our firefighters uh you know that is still something a position that is sort of loved uh by young people and old people and you know there's a there's a glamour about being a fighter firefighter that um i think people do appreciate and just is just my perspective um but unfortunately i think teachers and police officers don't get as much of that yeah Um, you know that just the accolade of hey that's a cool job or i would love to be a firefighter um, thankfully, you still hear some people that say, I want to be a teacher. Thankfully, you still hear some people say, I want to be, you know, in law enforcement. But um, there's so much negativity that surrounds the hard work that teachers have to do and the hard work that police officers have to do. And they're always under a microscope and they're always being criticized for not being perfect. And, you know, you think about what the teachers have had to do uh, throughout the pandemic, what the law enforcement officers have had to do in the last couple of years with um, some of the stuff that's been talked about, you know, as a, uh, as a result of some of the social issues we've had in our country, but mm-hmm. you know, the defund the police movement, how bad that is for morale for the police officers. Um, you know, we all know in any group, family, city, state company, they're going to be, you know, good better and and best and worst when it comes to whether it be people or employees or whatever and you know in murfreesboro uh, we certainly have had things that i think we feel like we could have done better whether it be in education or you know the the uh, judicial system or the police um you know how we police the community but so much of the time it's that focus that receives so much of the attention rather than all the things that go unnoticed and all the hard work that goes unnoticed by specifically teachers and police officers that think about where we would be if we didn't have those two things 
in my mind, everything else is built on that, right? Yeah. So the safety we feel going to work, walking on the sidewalk, sending our kids to school that allow us to go pursue careers or go do nonprofit work or go volunteer or, or whatever the case may be. Um, I think everything is built on those things. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I think the, the firefighters get some love for what they do, but I just think the police officers and the teachers get re they're really underappreciated. And so we got to make sure we do our part to recognize that and to consciously invest in morale there, con consciously invest in wages and salaries to make sure those people are taken care of and, and know that they're not just appreciated because we have to have them, that they're appreciated because of what they do in our community and what it represents in our community and the fact that if it were not there, our community would be very different. Well, if, if the people that are the ones that are criticizing law enforcement, of course, and, and the teachers, uh, you look at uh, the national news media, mm -hmm. it's constant. Right. But what would happen if those people had to walk in the shoes so right. of law enforcement and, and, and the, the educators mm -hmm. and uh, see what uh, their particular opinion would be mm -hmm. after they had to do it. Because law enforcement, they have to act within a millisecond right. many times to save one, uh, someone or themselves. even save themselves. Right. And now there's so much pressure on them not being able to utilize the weapons that they have. Right. Because uh, have you ever noticed that the people that have confrontations with law enforcement officers, uh, the officer first uh, asks them and, and gives them instructions on what they need to do before they are arrested or whatever. And it's usually someone who has a long history right. of crime and, and not obeying uh, the officers. And, and the officers for many, many years have been given those instructions. And it seems like the media is always on the bad guy's side mm -hmm rather than the person who is out there protecting that area for for the the, the citizens in that community let, let me share something with you that's happened recently and then there have been a couple of instances and so i'll i'll be i will not be specific so that i don't tread too far into territory that i shouldn't tread into but this concept of mental health yeah which we talk about a lot mm -hmm. uh recurring issues of mental health and police officers being involved yeah um, one of the things that I have mentioned to our city manager, and, and I happen to see it um, in some of the uh, budgeting discussions um, that we're talking about for the upcoming year, so that means I'm sure other people have said the same thing, <clears throat> is finding a way to integrate some mental health resources into the police department so that, you know, that full job of having to be prepared for every possible situation even a mental health situation which sometimes police officers it's don't have been there it's been there right yeah we had bob pratula okay uh, from the university uh, uh he would teach classes for us and 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 he was doing it on his own time when okay. he would do it and and we learned so much mm -hmm. as far as not only dealing with people who had those mental problems, but for 
the law enforcement officer themselves because you're always going to have stress when you're in law enforcement. Right. And there are going to be times when it's almost overwhelming. Right. So um, uh, there are opportunities there if you'll reach out to them. And, of course, Bob, he, he was one of the best ones that we ever had. And, of course, he's passed on now. But uh, um, the, it, a lot of it, the, those common sense things that are ever, everyday thoughts that, that go into those things, a law enforcement officer, even back in the times that we we worked, and, and it was a lot smaller community back then, mm-hmm. um, we still had a lot of strange issues because um, not everybody is normal mm-hmm. like uh, the average guy. Mm-hmm. There are things in their lives that nobody knows going on, and they don't know what is going to cause a, a particular person to just completely erupt and go crazy and of course when you're having battles between say husband and wives and children and yep. parents and things like that they were still going on back then and it, you're having to make really quick judgments in those situations to not only protect them but you never send one officer to those type situations you've got to be able to separate them and calm the situations down before they get totally out of hand well it's it's interesting to me uh it's it's sad and it's disappointing um that we're in this place but you know it's as we become more aware of mental health issues and the complexity between uh, the need for de-escalation in a mental health situation and de-escalation in another situation I would argue that maybe the techniques are similar, but there's probably some differences because if you're dealing with somebody that may not be of sound mind uh, in one case and someone who's just a bad guy or girl in another case, um, maybe there's some technical differences in that and how officers will work through that. But, you know, I was pulled into a situation recently where police responded to a, a suicide situation Mm -hmm. and so someone pulled me into this conversation and said you know this wasn't handled very well and so they were immediately critical of the police officers of course and um you know i i did what i felt like was my responsibility i was available right so we talk a lot about that what's the role of the council member my my role is not to be a police officer or to be a judge or you know any of those kinds of things i'm there to listen and Mm -hmm. to be accessible to the people and so I, I listened. I did just that and listened to the, to the person in the community. It was not directly related. Well, it just so happened that somebody that was directly related reached out to me as a result of this conversation and so shared some of these details with mm-hmm. me. And, you know, uh, without saying more than I should, one of the things that came out of that discussion was, you know, this person knew that this other person was in a, a, a mental health care crisis. Mm-hmm. And guess what they did? They called the police. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting that, you know, we, that's the first place we go to when we need help, but it's also the first place we criticize when we don't particularly like the results of what they do. Well, this person didn't have to call the police. They could have called a family member. They could have done something else, but they chose to call the police. Well, as I dug through that, I shouldn't say dug because I didn't really pry. I just listened. I did ask some questions based on the, the comments, but you know, as 
as the discussion unfolded, <clears throat> you know, the statement was made um, that, um, you know, this person wanted to commit um, police, suicide by police. And, and that's not an uncommon thing. And I thought to myself, that was my first experience with that. And yeah. I thought, man, how, one, tragically awful that that person is in that place, but that the police are being pulled into that situation without any knowledge that they're being set up to not have success in that situation, yeah. regardless of the training, regardless of who responds, that there's some intent for them not to be successful. And so, you know, that's where my comments come from, from a standpoint of, you know, uh, how unappreciated I think they are for the job they do uh, and how difficult that job is. And, you know, I can pivot to, the, you know, to teachers. And again, I have to be careful about how much I share, but you think about uh, kids trying to get an education for the past two years and teachers trying to, you know, teach with masks on uh, mm -hmm. and this whole compromise between safety and education and child care to keep the economy going. I mean, their quality of work life is not, can't be great. Yeah. And then for those, what I'm going to call courageous, you know, soldiers that have kind of marched on because they care about the system and they care about kids and they care about education, you can't pay those people enough, but um, but we should try to pay them more. <laughs> well, if you think go go back to the the suicide by police, yep, they usually have that planned. The right. ones that are going to do it, mm -hmm. and and their thinking is is all over the place, of course. But uh, can you imagine being a police officer just like this thing that happened just recently? where the guy reached in his pocket and pulled out something that right. was shiny right. that looked like a, a, a weapon. Um, what, what would be the average person's, person's uh, way of dealing with something that is just bang, 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 just like that? It, it happens, and, and uh, uh, most people would panic. I mean, literally panic if those things are going on. The officer's life may or may not be um, taken at that time. And, right. a lot, and a lot of them will have weapons right. that are planning on uh, that type of suicide. So um, everything is a split second and they call, they've been saying, well, oh, we've got to have uh, people who can deal with mental illness and all of that. There is no way that you can judge those particular things. And even the person's going to, uh, is thinking about doing it. Probably things can change in a, in just a millisecond mm -hmm. of what he is really planning on doing. So right. um, it, it, it's a shame to judge people that are out there keeping our communities safe and and always reaching for a negative way right. of, of, of it ending. I, I, it just, uh, if it wasn't for the media, these things have been going on probably as long yes. as, as as there was the Garden of Eden. Yeah, I mean, you you think about it, and and you never think of how many officers have been assassinated in the last couple of years simply because the media misjudges everything, and probably for a particular reason. Sure, uh, uh, negative news makes a whole lot more money than as long as you don't want to watch the ducks rolling around in the pond and people right. throwing uh, things to them to eat. Uh, real life is a whole lot different than what they put on 
uh, on the screen. You know, imagine, and this is what I try to do about everything that, you know, I try to be very slow to judge others' actions or, you know, things I read or hear. Because the truth is, most of the time, you're not getting the whole story. If you're yeah. even getting the accurate version of the whole story, um, it, it's very hard to know. But, you know, if I put myself in something that I can visualize and that I can imagine happening, you know, that I think everybody can imagine happening, which is you're asleep at night, uh, you hear something in your house, there's an intruder. Um, that's the best situation I can probably come up with to what a person who might judge a police officer's actions mm -hmm. might stop and think, how would I respond if I felt threatened, whether this person had a mental illness or not, am I going to stop and take the time if I feel threatened to work through that? And I think most people would say no, right? They're because they're fearful. Well, yeah. what we got to give the police officers credit for is the fact that they are trained not to be fearful. That does not mean that they do not have fear, but they have the opportunity most of the time to know that they're responding to a situation that there could be danger. They're not, you know, asleep. They could be waiting mm -hmm. for somebody to sneak in on them and do that, but they're always a target in some ways. But you know, if someone broke into my home and whether it be me or I'm protecting my wife or I'm protecting my family, um, I think about, you know, would I be judged because I didn't stop and take the time to de-escalate the situation? Would I be judged that I didn't have the awareness to understand while I was dealing with my own fear of what the situation was, well, I'm probably going to want to protect myself because yeah. it's clear that person's not supposed to be doing what they're doing. Are they doing that because there's a mental illness? Well, I don't know. All I know is I'm scared and I don't want to be harmed by that person. Mm -hmm. But I think we forget that, that when we, when we send law enforcement officers out to a situation, we're not thinking about the fact that they may be scared, even though they're trained not to be. Mm -hmm. We're not thinking about the fact that they have spent tremendous amount of time in training, as you well know, to be a certified police officer, mm -hmm. of how to respond and how many things they probably are doing that are way beyond what the average person would do. But yet, you know, all too often, we immediately judge that that's not enough. We immediately judge that they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And I just think that's, that's really tragic. If you think about law enforcement officers kind of like military people mm -hmm. you send military people to places like afghanistan and some of those other uh, uh mid-eastern states and uh they don't always give them a full reign on how to respond even they are in more danger mm -hmm. than what they used to be because you're thinking all the time well it, that, that uh, young kid that's in, in the in the street with an ak-47 or whatever mm -hmm. oh well that's just a young kid you you can't fire on him you mm -hmm. can't fire on a lady who's walking through the streets uh, all of those things it requires a last second thought for you to be able to take charge of that particular situation mm -hmm. and but yet you're going to be criticized if it all that doesn't fall in the plan the way it should have been mm -hmm. but those people you you can't read minds you can't you can't 
playing, you can't listen to everything that's involved with those type situations because uh, a lot of those people, as far as they're concerned, our our uh, people that are in uniform are the bad guys, right? Even <clears throat> though they're protecting those people all around them, mm-hmm. it, it, it's one of those things. I don't think the average guy in this country could do those jobs. They really couldn't. Yeah. And how many of them would want to because uh, no matter where you're successful at it or not, you're going to have people with cameras, uh, cell phones, and all that that are going to be looking for something that they feel like would be a bad thing. Right. And what, what was it? And Rodney King, what was it, back in California many, many years ago. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of uh, things that the media did not put forth in that particular instant. And think about all the rights. Who, 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 what group of people caused more harm to this country as far as a negative approach mm-hmm. it's the media yeah and 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 they still watch it I, i've got where i can't even watch it hey I is mean, that it's, us it's unbelievable are we, are we the media <laughs> well I, I was just thinking since <laughs> since we were talking how about your bank what if somebody was were to come in yep and they're armed and uh there's a lot of us that, that have uh a, a lot of money in that bank, mm-hmm. and, and it's not just law enforcement. I think that's why really that's why we're expanding. I, think you, I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to use a cannon or anything <laughs> like that, Adam. But but uh, uh, I feel comfortable with Jan being in there. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen Jan react to things, okay. and I, I I think the situation would be taken care of, right? Yeah, so um, that's 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 the humorous part. Yeah, but but overall, we have got to do something. The lady whose husband was killed in New York City, his wife, mm-hmm. she made the greatest speech that I have heard in a long, long time concerning those type of things that law enforcement has to put up. She just lost her husband, mm. and. She said, the reason that our cities have become unsafe is because the people are not supporting the people are, that are keeping them safe yeah. anymore. And, and a lot of it is, is media, too. And who are they going to interview, the media? Yeah. Are, are they going to interview the law enforcement officers? Or are they going to go out and interview all the families of the, the guy that they had to shoot that was committing a crime and all that? There's no sense to it. it there's yeah. absolute And people who believe that and want to keep pushing it, we, we need to get rid of law enforcement and all that, those people do not have a mind at all. They don't understand anything. You know, it, it's so interesting because this is such a – an explosive topic because people have very strong opinions about this. Yeah. And I try to put myself in every situation that I hear someone talking about, how would I feel? What would I do? And, you know, in terms of, um, you know, supporting the police officers, um, I'm, I'm a very big supporter of police officers. Yeah, you are. And this comes from somebody who hadn't always done everything right. Right. I mean, I've probably got, I've heard that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I've probably got more speeding tickets than most than anybody combined sitting at this this small table. But and um, and so that's an honest admission. But but I will tell you, um, I probably have twenty speeding tickets over like you're kidding. Maybe. Yeah. And you still have a license? Well, you space them out. As long as you space them out, you're good. Oh, okay. But like when I have had, when I've been pulled over because I was speeding excessively, um, I've had some very nice, whether it be police officers, highway patrolmen, state troopers, whatever the case may be, I, I, I have had some very nice ones. Here's your ticket. Have a nice day. Slow All down. All the guys that have been nice that have stopped me. And I've also had a couple that have been not so nice. Uh, I've had some folks. Um, there was one situation in spe- specifically. I think I was in Alabama. So I'm gonna blame it on Alabama. This wouldn't happen in Tennessee. That's um, Alabama for that's, you. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> Where guy made me get out of the car. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I started to put my hands in my pocket, and he went crazy, which I probably shouldn't have put my hands in my pocket. But yeah, bad move. I, I you know, not thinking. Um, yeah. And so, but he was pretty hot headed, and I thought to myself mm, why are you so angry and this is probably not what you should be doing for a line of work if pulling me over because i'm speeding and putting my hands in my pocket because i you know anyway uh, all that being said I, i'm very sympathetic to people who have bad experiences what what we can't do is to lose faith in the system overall because much to like the story that you're telling, it's that system that keeps us safe. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we can't continue to refine and get better and get better trained and all those sorts of things. But we also have to have the awareness that much to the point you made earlier, how many people can actually do that job? How many people actually want to do that job? Yeah. How many people can afford to do that job from an income standpoint? And so, you know, again, it goes back to there, there are plenty of opportunities to improve in anything we do day in and day out. But um, we don't give those people the credit that they deserve. No, and, and, and I don't like people uh, trying to judge officers in those really bad situations. That mm-hmm. there, there are a lot of people that could be harmed and and pay the ultimate price and it's just like um when our veterans uh when when they are harmed in battle Mm -hmm. uh we we pay strong attention to them Mm -hmm. and um there it's there was a a sheriff that was here in the state of tennessee i'm not going to say where it was but i would go uh down and do some training with them and he uh he told me that where he works he said it's a war zone Hmm. he said you never know when you're going to come home at night or not Uh, your your wife could very well be a widow Hmm. during those situations and uh it's uh we 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 seem to color things um, inaccurately when those particular officers go in to these things and uh, I remember working I may have told you probably told you two or three times I worked in in a uh, dangerous project in Nashville at one time Mm -hmm. and uh, the uh, the the little ladies that that were there uh, were the residents of that place they were sweet as they could be Hmm. and 
when you built up a friendship with them, right. uh, they would always say, now, Mr. Jones, uh, the bad people will be in here tonight at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. They knew everything that was going on in that oh, yeah. project. But and, but you notice the first thing that they would do when it became five or six, They're they gone. locked the doors mm. and they didn't and they didn't want anybody being around them because those people were coming in there to make their lives miserable and do all the things that they shouldn't be doing, and that was uh, it. Still is strong in my mind what those people have to put up with, but yet. Um, the ones that maybe get caught by law enforcement and they're on the ground or whatever has to happen, you, you see the protest starting to arise. Right. The protest is not coming from those good people in there. Yeah, it's it's coming from the others who support the th the happenings that are going on. So yeah. uh, <clears throat> it, it, it's hard to get any truth at all out, out of uh, how. Uh, the the information that we get back as far as uh, through the media, it, you, they they never hunt for it. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the comment when I told you earlier that uh, this um, this story that came that I was aware of about this um, murder suicide officer suicide. Mm -hmm. um, the the person inside the community that was really frustrated by this. Um, you know, has experience with mental health and so is very passionate about mental health. And so, you know, there was a very strong opinion immediately about how that should have been handled and how it was yeah. not handled well. You know, one of the things that y you have to do is you've got to be able to be, especially in, in the role that I'm in as a council member, um, you got to listen and you got to reserve judgment and you got to be patient about those things and objective as you're listening. But, um, but I also, and this is what I've consistently done, um, I, I take in all that information, and and then ultimately you have to make your own judgment and your own decision about where you kind of stand on those things. Yeah. And, and I'm just, I'm not in a place where I can say, hey, it's okay for someone who's struggling having mental health issues um, that when a relative or family member seeks out the police for help in that, um, that, you know, if, if officers are harmed or put in danger, uh, I'm just not in a good place where we can immediately be critical of what they do. Um, we could have not called the police officers, um, but we did. And they have a right to protect themselves and they have a right to, to make sure that they use reasonable judgment associated with what they're doing. But, you know, if they are attacked or threatened by people that are having a, a mental health issue, um, it gets really difficult to say, hey, they did the wrong thing um, when they're trying to protect themselves. As sad as it is for that experience to be happening and for the person that's experiencing that, we, we can't lose sight of the fact that these people are putting themselves in harm's way to protect us. I mean, that, that empathy for them has to be there and has to be at least equal to what we feel for the person suffering from the mental health issue. The people who... Um put this information out they are uh, dealing with all the things that happen to that uh, with that officer and the person that he's having some type of conflict with mm -hmm. he doesn't have the, the chance to be an armchair quarterback right after it's all happened right 
he, he's there in a situation, life or death, for all parties that are there and, and all the people that uh, uh, they're trying to keep it safe, but the individual, he has no, uh, no conscience at all about mm -hmm. everybody being safe at that point and you never know when that thing is when it's going to fire off and everything goes crazy and the officer is trying to i don't believe that 99 percent of the people uh in this country realizes that it's all just bang 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 i mean you don't have to everything that you move or and you respond to, uh, it, 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 it's one of those things that you can't really judge all the things that are going on there at right. the time. But if you if you have plenty of time to sit back and 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 write it down and oh this should have happened and that should have happened Monday that's not part that's not part of the equation at yeah. all. Yep, I think we forget that. Yeah. Uh, but do they forget it for a particular reason? Yeah, I think that's the right question. Uh, and I think, you know, like anything, Truman, we have people who certainly have an agenda uh, yeah. with those things. I think certain people get pulled into those agendas um, knowingly, uh, some unknowingly. Um, but that's why it's so important for us to keep talking about that to make sure that you know, both sides are spoken about, that it's not just spoken about um, in a negative way or about what, what did not go right, but, you know, what is going right and what they are doing. And, you know, I was at a uh, promotion ceremony this week at the police department, and we had several promotions. And um, one of the things that, <clears throat> you know, I think is so important to, you know, community policing um, is having uh, a broad representation of officers and whether yeah. that be male or female, black or white, but a broad representation and some diversity that represents the community that we're in. I mean, that's, I think that's important. And, um, you know, my, my friend Chris Williams, uh, was promoted and, and, and he's a black man that I think is so good to have those, uh, role models in the police department policing, yeah. Uh, I think of um, uh, Chris Phillips, who recently left the police department, but he also a black man who, you know, um, these are great people. They're, they're great uh, family men. They have children and um, they care about the community. And, you know, they are hurt, I think, and I'm not speaking for them, but when police officers <clears throat> are categorically lumped into you know defund the police if you will um that doesn't help those individuals either you know yeah. and it i think it discredits where we have come how far we've come what we're trying to do uh all at the risk all at the, you know at the expense of where we're not or where you know maybe what we haven't achieved at this point um but i think talking about those things i think again the diversity in the police officer in the law enforcement area and continuing to try to find ways to attract those people pay those people support those people is just really really important you had a couple of officers that were injured just recently mm -hmm. the, the person had a, a weapon mm -hmm. in his hand and uh, they worked with him worked with him uh, 
stayed calm during the whole situation. Right. And then finally talked him into putting the weapon down. And they, they um, um, walked up to, to, to arrest him. And then he pulled the weapon back up again. Right. And, and, um, and, and they were injured. And that is more normal with what happens with law enforcement and uh, people who are having a problem or, or have it all planned out to, to make sure that uh, they don't have to kill themselves. The officer, that will be his job to, to, to follow that plan the way he has it set up. So it's, a, it's, a, it, it, it's easy to recognize if you stay focused but you almost have to be in 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 one of those positions. Caller, welcome aboard with uh, Ronnie and Jan. Uh, Jan's here, but she's <laughs> she's taking she's looking, at her, she's looking at her watch. <laughs> good morning, Truman. And, good morning. Uh, good morning, guests. I wanted to ask you something, Truman, and your law enforcement uh, experience, many many years, and thank you, sir, for your uh, service. Um, in the incident in Nashville, there. Uh, where so many weapons were pulled. Uh, one person um, didn't know what he was taking out of his pocket. Um, put yourself, you're the sheriff again, and you're in that group of officers there, and so many discharged their weapons at, at, you know, several times. And then the one officer, uh, I believe even after the guy had fallen, shot him twice, and I think he's been taken down. What would you have done, Mr. Truman? Would you have discharged your weapon along with everybody else? And why did they do this? And I'll just hang up and listen. Well, those times, of course, I didn't see it. Uh, I don't watch the news that much anymore because um, you, you can, uh, it, it's like making a movie. You, you, you can control a lot of things as as you uh, have your camera focused on what's going on in the situation and you really can't um, get the full scope of it by what you see and um, uh, I, the way that we always handled it we we put ourselves pretty much in danger every time we had to handle a situation like that and uh, it was usually a last resort that we um, re re we re responded with uh, weapons or, or whatever. And uh, talking to an individual, unless the individual has already pre-planned what was going on, um, it, I, I can remember sometimes we would spend as much as an hour and a half or, or two hours working with somebody to try to calm them down, get them in a different um, mood as far as working with them. Um, but uh, that particular situation you're talking about, it doesn't sound normal, but I, I'm, I'm not going to uh, um, um, say anything that could be one way or the other because I wasn't there and I wasn't part of it. And uh, I've always said you have to walk in the in uh, the shoes of a law enforcement officer to really be able to be judging uh, his or her reaction at the time. 
And we got another caller on the line. Caller, welcome aboard. Welcome aboard and good morning. You know, <laughs> isn't it funny how people, you, would, you wouldn't think that good old America would love so much violence. No. Now I know they're going to say, uh-oh. But you know what? People buy what they love, don't they? Yeah. I know you, you, you were going towards what, uh, how much more violence can you put on TV? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's pretty much you know, 24 I mean, hours a day. Yeah. It's just terrible. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, I mean, but and you're talking about the Brothers Truman, you and I met through, uh, I was falsely accused of so much stuff when I was younger. But luckily, I knew a lot of policemen, but I'm talking about, I was falsely accused of some stuff. Well, I'm accused. What you? You're not supposed to be walking in this neighborhood. Wait a minute. I was falsely yeah. accused by black officers who knew me. So it ain't. I'm, I'm making this clear. Hmm. I was in Spring Valley. Uh, your cousin, uh, brother, and I was closer than brothers. <laughs> and when I went, something I was accused of when they carried me to the jail one time. A lot of folks out there never knew I was in jail. They didn't even lock the cell because I knew so many polices. And yeah. then, what are you doing in here? But, but you know, look, what what are we going to? And can it get any worse, people? Because everybody, and now we all know. I've been listening to you all, listening to you all every day. But sometimes you think, well, do you go? Because it's dangerous everywhere. And people say, well, it's always been no, no, no. I just refuse to believe that. I used to, I was walking down Main Street, and they said I wasn't supposed to be walking in that area at night. I wouldn't bother anybody. Mm-hmm. I was accused of stealing something at Cooper and Martin. I hadn't even been out of the Spring Valley Park, and my and ladies over there told the police, case they haven't been anywhere, but yeah, I've been accused of robbing the bank with my bank book. Can y'all <laughs> believe? I mean, you, you, but things happen like that. Yeah. You know, but always, I'm talking to the people, you make sure you're right. Because innocent people get hurt. Because some people, when you accuse them of being wrong with their right, they they take it, they go too far, and they get hurt. Yeah. yeah. When right. the police showed up <clears throat> many times uh, in my situation, I stayed cool. Yes. I, I was jacked up by many polices. But I stayed cool, and it wasn't no violence. Mm-hmm. I tell everybody, if you know you haven't done a thing, just stay cool. Yeah. Because anybody can be anybody can be accused of anything. I'm going to say that I'm going to leave you all alone. I was accused. They thought I was stealing a guitar in Nashville because I was running to the bus station trying to catch a greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> I could write a book on how, to, how not to do but anyway, I just, I'm just telling people, always try to be, make sure you're right. Yeah. Because anybody can be accused of anything. You're exactly right. Yeah, so don't think, oh, I, I'm just, no, no, no. Anybody can be accused. Always keep that in mind. Just make sure you got proof that you're not wrong. Y'all have a good day, gentlemen. Thanks for calling, Appreciate Kelsey. the show, y'all. Listen to you every day. Uh, appreciate, appreciate you. you. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. 
from NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. French's Shoes and Boots has the hottest brands and unbeatable deals that you won't find anywhere else. But this stuff is going fast, and these deals can't last. Everyone wants the wildly popular Hey Dude shoes, and French's has them back in stock. Check out the latest styles for men, women, and kids. Hurry and get to French's here in the borough while the getting is good. It makes good sense to shop at French's. French's Shoes and Boots. 1837 South Church Street in Murfreesboro. Need a break from the sound bites and the talking heads? Do you want information you can actually use? Information that'll change your life for the better? Then listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will show you how to retire in two to five years. Your age doesn't matter. Turn off the pundits and turn on the passive income. Tune in to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. The Dell Wamsley Radio Show, Monday through Saturday, 11 to noon, right here on News Radio WGNS. Here at Bud's Tire, we make buying Michelin tires simpler. I'm Allison Mitchell with Bud's Tire Pros. We offer a straightforward approach to service, including nationwide warranties with every purchase. Stop in today to see our full lineup of Michelin and BF Goodrich tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin and BF Goodrich have a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Michael DeLeon with Steered Straight Thrift Stores. It's a nonprofit thrift store. We take donations. Your donations, support, and purchases help educate youth on the choices and consequences of drugs, bullying, suicide, and other hard topics. Come into our thrift stores, 845 Middle Tennessee and 903 Mercury Boulevard. I'm telling you, you're going to find treasures, and you're going to find great deals, but you're going to help us save lives. Michael DeLeon, Steered Straight. You're supporting drug education in schools. I can't emphasize enough it's more important than ever. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Popcorn Pop Fresh Daily, their movie hotline, 896-4100, or go see a movie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. On the air, Ronnie Martin. <laughs> Should we cover that again so everybody can hear it? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, just as a as a follow up. You, what you're talking about, I think, is maybe what the gentleman the earlier had had, had uh, asked me, and I had no idea. But uh, I'd I'd have to be there on the scene to see everything is going on prior and afterwards, and and it's and it's still hard to make a judgment on someone who is in fear of this particular person taking his life so uh, an officer has a, a right to protect himself uh, they all want to go home to their Absolutely. families that night yeah go ahead 
Well, I just, so, it, again, if I step back, and this is in response to the caller that called, and, and, you know, I don't want to read too much into the call and the questions that were asked, but if I say, if, if have you ever walked down the interstate? Have I walked down the interstate? Mm -hmm. Yes. In fact, I caught uh, pneumonia walking down the interstate in the middle. <clears throat> we were searching for a weapon of a shooting that had occurred. This is many, many years ago. And I think it must have been 20 degrees and with the wind blowing. Yes, I've walked down the interstate. Then you know how dangerous and scary it is to walk down the interstate. It is. It so is. I broke down. This is another funny Ronnie Martin story. But I broke down in an Uber one night um, coming home from Nashville. The tire blew out in this guy's car. And it was going to be like two hours. Uh, and I said, dude, I'm not waiting. I'll pay you. And I was close enough to the inter uh, to the uh, off-ramp. I got out of his car and walked down the interstate and walked home. Hmm. And um, and it was interesting. I had just come back from the airport. So I had luggage. So I yeah. literally drug my luggage down the side of the interstate, which is not smart, as I'm acknowledging. But hmm. I did it. Um, but I can remember thinking how dumb that was once I got on the interstate and felt these cars coming by. Mm -hmm. It's extremely dangerous to be on foot on the interstate. Yeah, it is. So when you think about the mindset of someone who knowingly is walking down the interstate, for one, mm -hmm. uh, in that situation the caller is calling about, uh, I, I don't think you can dismiss that. Uh, I think that's an important detail. It's an important fact. Uh, another thing that I think is really important is whether you agree that we should have them or not, you know, Nashville has a civilian oversight board. And some people feel very strongly about that one way or the other. I, I don't particularly. I, can I don't I don't respect that at all. So I, I that, that's up to the uh, rank there. So um, there's an Amber Alert, I think. I had to turn those off on my phone. They drive me nuts. I didn't know you could do that. Mm -hmm. So so anyway, so hmm. My understanding is the Nashville Civilian Oversight Board or members of it were on the scene at that. But point. there are some law enforcement officers, uh, ex law enforcement, one FBI agent that's which, on that, which is which good. makes it better. Which is good. Yeah, it makes yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. But if Jan was mentioning when we were off air that she had seen the video that had been released, and mm -hmm. there were many officers, I don't know how many, but many officers, and. Um, you know, so you've got the civilian oversight board presence. You've got many officers um, talked about the amount of time that was spent trying to get this person de-escalate the situation. Right. And yet still, um, apparently, and Jan, tell me if this is wrong, the individual made an aggressive mood at, move as if he presented some danger to the law enforcement officers. Correct. And so, you know, that's where it gets really hard, I think, for us to say is it necessary for, I don't, I don't remember how many, 17? I would say at least 15. 15 officers to fire their weapon. So that's a great question. And, mm -hmm. and I think any reasonable person would say, well, of course it doesn't make sense for 15 people to fire their weapon at the same time. Until you realize that maybe this person was walking down the interstate, the danger and threat that presented to everybody because mm -hmm. he was in a public right of way and the danger to other vehicles, so on and so forth, Maybe there was a mental health uh, care issue there, a mental health crisis going on, but the whole interstate was shut down to try to deal with that, and there were there was the civilian oversight on on you know present, mm -hmm. as I understand, I wasn't there, um, 
and you had 17 officers trying to de-escalate that situation, well, <clears throat> if, if everybody knows the landscape and the context of how they got there, at least the people that were there, and this person still makes some effort to, maybe their intention is to commit suicide, maybe their intention is to get a law enforcement person to shoot them, but if they commit an act aggressively, were we supposed to plan on, hey, who's going to shoot this person if he makes an aggressive act? Um, you don't do that. You probably don't want people doing that. Um, maybe that's a better solution. But um, how do you know when... See, um, you're saying maybe this or maybe that. Well, that's the whole thing, you know. I mean, put yourself in the law enforcement person's... You're having to react in a split second. Exactly. That's my point. And your mind is... Um, um, watching everything that's going on, and then all of a sudden there's a sudden move, a, an aggressive move. Right. Which one? Which one is he go, going to shoot first? Or uh, everybody is there to take charge of the situation. Right. But when that happens, uh, no officer there knows which one he's going to be shooting at or whatever. That's exactly right. And so it, I'm it, not. It, 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 you can't judge those things that's what i'm telling you you really can and i'm making the same argument i mean i think yeah. you're right and you know on the surface i certainly understand the question is it reasonable for for 17 officers to fire the weapon well certainly that doesn't make sense at the initial topic yeah. until you put yourself in context of where you are yeah. and you're standing there saying well what if this person to the left uh, of me who is also helping manage this situation what if their gun misfires mm -hmm. what if the person to their right trips over the person to his right and can't shoot what if the person on the end misses clearly this person's making an aggressive move um you know i, I just think it's really easy to second guess that situation when the reality is if i'm in my home and this person comes into my home um, and they, they're trying, they're already putting themselves in a threatening situation, but I feel like that they're trying to threaten me. I'm going to respond immediately. I think it's what most people would do. So I'm, I'm not defending the officers. I'm certainly not blaming the person who was going through this crisis, but I just think it's, I'm making the point and I'm agreeing with you, Truman. It's just hard to judge those things on the surface. Yeah. I don't know why that the ones that are causing this whole um, big mess why do why do they automatically go to the defense of that individual i don't know it doesn't make any sense at all well because you have family members you know that's um I, well the family members know what type of person that is yeah you're right about that too yeah it's, it, it's, ama it's, amaz it's amazing to me. Yeah, interesting. You know, it, 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 it kind of floats. Let's go into uh, the uh, uh, people that are in our schools, our teachers, mm -hmm. and, and, and things like that. And, and you think about um, some of the things that they have to deal with in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And the people that are in charge of making all the rules and the guidelines it's not our local people that have to do that we have superintendents schools and things like that but the people who lay down uh, the plan for how everything's supposed to be done 
they're in Nashville and they're in Washington. Mm -hmm. and, and those poor teachers have to live by those guidelines. Those people are not in the classrooms, the ones that are making all the rules and regulations of how teachers are supposed to be responding to the things that go on. Right. And <clears throat> most of the of that is initiated in the homes where these kids live with mom and dad, or a lot of times it's just one uh, a parent. And the parent will go in support of their child in today's world, and, and they will blame the school, the teachers, for their particular child getting into trouble. Yeah. We've seen this a lot. I mean, we just got through seeing a, um, a um, judge in, in our community. Um, people are judging what she's been doing mm -hmm. by a lot of the information that's coming from the homes of those kids who are not doing their jobs. They should be uh, structuring their child so that they can be better students and and uh, and better citizens in the community you wonder why everything is going crazy that's the initial point of all of it is is the home you know it, it's funny um cynthia and i talk about this often so we have four children and they're young adults at this point 23 mm -hmm. through 20 if you will yeah um <clears throat> but we talk a lot about the difference between defending our children, protecting our children, and loving our children. Yeah. And um, I, I would say there's a big difference in um, defending and protecting. Yeah. And what we focus on is loving our children, knowing that, um, who are, of course, young adults now, as I mentioned, who are going to make mistakes, um, who may make some of the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, but we try really hard not to... Um, rob them of the opportunity for the experience whether good or bad yeah. whether f we judge it as fair or unfair um, we make sure they know they're loved and we make sure they know that there's not anything that will ever change that and then especially Truman you know this as they get older <clears throat> it's a little harder to uh, coach them on some things as we're trying to say, hey, let me tell you how to do this. You know, you should be doing this and not this. But you laid the groundwork for it when they were younger. You, you try to do that, yeah. right, as best you can. Yeah. And to the point you're making, you know, when you think about uh, single moms raising kids or the influences at home, good or bad, which we all have to some extent, I mean, my wife reminds me constantly how much the kids watch what I do and yeah. what I say. And I forget that all the time. I, I, I'm not thinking that they're looking at me and modeling behavior after me, but the truth is they do and they have. Yeah. And I think we as, as dads forget that sometimes, that yeah. good or bad, they're going to model behavior. I think we have another caller on the line. Caller, welcome aboard. How you doing? Good morning. Good. Uh, Terry Spence, I just wanted to comment on one of your comments that y'all were talking about with the mental health. Um, I've been a police officer in this town for 35 years, worked with many, many officers, seen many, many things, been in many different situations. Some shoot, some don't shoot. And uh, I just wanted to just let your callers and the people out here know we come to work to serve y'all. We work for you. 
and we come out here to do the best we can every single day. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes you've got to say, hey, I'm sorry I made a mistake. But we come out here to do the best that we can. And uh, this mental health issues that we've got, especially some of the shootings and, and uh, with guns or knives, uh, it's very serious, and we take it very serious. And we're given the best training that you've got out there. We're not followers. We're leaders. And uh, our department has got some of the best mental health training that's out there. Uh, all the in-service blocks that we've got, the simulators, uh, the instructors that we've got, they go to the best classes and bring us back what we've got. Uh, we're debriefed on the instances that we've got. And I think that shows by the calls and the critical calls that we go on when we come back and we've got a solution, uh, and either the person is taken to the hospital for an evaluation, they're placed under arrest, um, but they weren't shot, they weren't killed. Um, mm -hmm. Our job is to de-escalate that situation. And uh, you know, all the ones that I've been in in my career, you know, I, you know, I can look back on several uh, that I've had a chance to shoot people. I didn't do that. Uh, we were able to de-escalate it. And, I mean, they've even had guns pointed at me. They've had knives chasing me in the backyard 20 feet at family reunions. And uh, we were able to sit there and de-escalate it and, and take them into custody instead of shooting them and mental health issues. So we do take it very serious. Uh, we've got great training. And, you know, if you just take the five that I can think of in my 35 years and multiply that times the 300 officers we've got at the police department, probably 300 at the sheriff's department, that's 3,000 over this time period, and I don't remember people that got shot or killed during that time. We were being able to de-escalate it and work these problems out, and you know, and it's only going to get better. It's only going to get worse, but it's only going to get better with the training that we've got and the instructors that we've got and the, the training that we've got through. So I just wanted people to know that, you know, we see all these instances out here. People are quick to judge us. We're either running toward trouble or trouble's running toward us. And uh, we do the best we can out here every single day. And like I say, we love the community out here. And I think that shows by the events that we're involved in, the people that get out here and work. And uh, I'll just sit back and let y'all comment. I just wanted to, I've been listening to you for an hour, debating whether I'm going to call or not. And finally, I just picked up the phone Appreciate and you calling. Boy, you are patient, aren't you, Terry? I am. <laughs> You, you guys are great, and uh, I have so much respect for all of you. It's amazing. It's it's just amazing, just like, you know, the one that they've got going on in Nashville now, which will go on forever. But people that aren't there are going to be the first ones to judge us. Yeah. Uh, and I, I know you can remember an incident. It's been years ago when uh, Kerry Nelson and I got in a shoot, shooting, uh, which we didn't shoot, but we were able to de-escalate it. Um, yep. The guy had already been shot once. He shot two people we were with. and uh, But people judged the two of us for not shooting this guy. And mm. it wasn't it wasn't for us to shoot him, but we were able to yell and scream and, and de-escalate the situation, and he finally dropped his gun. But yet people still were able to come back and say, you know, why didn't you shoot him? He had a gun in his hand. Well, you just had to be there. You know, right. we were able to de-escalate that. And, you know, we were scared. Yes, we were scared. We're on a motel landing. There wasn't anywhere to go. But with the training that you had, you know, Kay and I both talked about it after, and, and we felt we did the right thing. So yeah. every situation is different. Every situation has got dynamics. Most of the time you're never given all of those at the very beginning, but yet you're judged for what you've done in the end. So I just had to just get my point out there to you and just let you know we do the best we can. 
we've got great training. It's only getting better, and uh, we just come to work to work with our community every single day. I appreciate that, Terry. And Terry, uh, I, I want to thank you too. I, I know how hard you work um, in responding to some of the mental health calls that we have, and how how vested you are in that. And you know, to your point, um, thanks for sharing your personal experiences because there are many, many wins that we have on a daily basis that go unnoticed. Um, and so, thanks for reminding me of that. I think he's gone, but um, I think. It would be a good thing for our city councilman to go on calls with them. Uh, I've and, done that. and you've done the ride alongs. I've I, done I know twice. You, yep. Twice. Yep. And, and the programs that uh, the city and the county have put on uh, have really opened a lot of eyes for people who go through the training with with the officers. And it, it makes a big difference. And, and uh, a lot of the people. We started a long time ago, and, and a lot of people are, are still uh, impacted by it. True, and I've gone through the, the Citizens Police Academy in Murfreesboro twice. Uh, I did it prior to being on the council mm -hmm. uh, when Glenn Christman was mm -hmm. uh, the chief, yeah. and then I did it most recently two years ago um, just because, again, in, in my service to the city as a council member, the more you know and the more you understand, the better decisions you can make. And, you know, far too often it, that responsibility falls on the council members to educate themselves and to be present and to be aware. And it's just, you're right, it's, it's so amazing how the types of things we've talked about today mm -hmm. that <clears throat> until you put yourself in the officer's shoes, you don't understand. Right. But I can tell you, those that went through the Pol Citizens Police Academy with me, a lot of times they come in with one perspective and they leave with a very different perspective. So if, if you know, during the course of this show, if, if you're a listener out there and you have strong feelings or strong interest about, you know, policing in Murfreesboro, community policing, I'd, in, I'd encourage you to, uh, to reach out to the uh, Amy Denton at the Murfreesboro Police Office, who's or Murfreesboro Police, um, yeah. Department. Department. Thanks. It's well, that's a, a pretty show. hard name to uh, title to that's remember. It's department, <laughs> department. You'd be amazed how many times a day I have to do that. Bless your heart. <laughs> and I know you're wore out now. You have absolutely <laughs> worked yourself to death. It's up been here. a rough week already. Yeah, the but, bank needs to pay you a little extra money. <laughs> but but we have that program, and uh, you know all the law enforcement officers. I, I'm sure they support you because you've been a very uh, as long as you and I have been around, you have always supported the law enforcement agencies here. I, Truman, I just know how important that is. I know it is. that that's the basis. People feeling safe in their community is the basis for everything else, which is, which is what we do. I mean, everything is built on that. So does that mean that you're going to stay around for another term on the uh, city council? Uh, no, sir. I'm not going to do that. But oh, I have. That's I sad. But I have enjoyed my time to serve, and you know, I'm, I may, I may be back. But I'm going to. Uh, I've got kids home from college post pandemic, and uh, I'm going to enjoy my time with them and spend some time with my wife, and um, you know, re rekindle some of those things that I have been away from for the last four years. That's a great opportunity, though, isn't it? it to is. serve the the city and the people around you, and 
it makes a big difference. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with people to come in, serve 100% while they're in office, and 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 not stay there forever. Uh, things change so much uh, through the years. I'm a constant believer in in one term or two terms and things like that. A after that, it, it just becomes muddled, doesn't it? You know, I, I think about this a lot, and I, I am 100% convinced that it's the right time for me to, to step away, um, and for many, many reasons. But I, I will tell you, and this I feel pretty strongly about this, so I would love to debate with someone that feels differently. Mm -hmm. But when you spend a lot of time in any public service role, if you think it doesn't change your frame of reference and your context, whether it be about what you're doing and why you're doing it or the, the legitimate power that you have in those roles yeah. and how it can influence you, not necessarily in the best ways, that's a real thing. And, you know, it's scary in a way. It is. And so I've been very disciplined to try to make sure I know that. You know, there, there's not anything special about me. Um, I, I've been given a task uh, in service that people have trusted me to do. I've tried to do that honorably. I've tried to do it, um, you know, the way I would do anything else and work hard and show up and be honest and, you know, transparent. We, we One of the reasons, I mean, our, our friendship blossomed uh, as a result of my involvement with city council. Yeah. Mostly because Jan introduced us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've never had any issue talking about anything you wanted to talk about. And I've yeah. never avoided a question at all. And I feel really good about that. But yeah. if I stayed long enough to where I couldn't be that way or I had this, you know, trail of decisions that I had left behind that, you know, might prevent me from being totally transparent or honest, man, I would have a hard time sleeping at night. And so... I just know it's time for me to step away, and um, I think there are many, many reasons that, to your point, having new people, fresh ideas, turnover is really good uh, for the community. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, uh, I've enjoyed service, and, and I may be back, but not, not now. You've done a great job. You Thank really you. have. Jenny, did you want to say anything at all today? As a matter of fact, I do. Oh, oh right. All right. It's our buddy Tim Dutton's birthday today. So it we sure want to is. tell him happy birthday. Tim Dutton. Mm -hmm. Heritage Custom Homes, Tim Dutton. Okay. Yep. Is, is, is that it? Well, I mean, it's time Bless to wrap your up the heart. show. We, we need to pay you a whole lot more than what we pay oh. you. I can tell you that. At I've least got... take me to breakfast or something. Yeah. I'll be food. Yeah. Uh, MTSU has its uh, Groundhog Day luncheon today. and so. Oh, I forgot all about that. Yeah, that, I didn't know if that's something you could walk into and get a ticket. or $25 at the door. Gotcha. So you can pay at the door, evidently. But most of the tables will probably be filled up. So if you're going to pay that's at the That's the way door, it used to be. You need to be there early. Yeah. So. Oh. All right, guys, we will see you in the morning at 9 o'clock. And Larry Williams is going to be on. Oh. I should have mentioned that. I we should have talked about that. I will, we will tune in. I'll call in, and we'll talk to Larry. How about that? And we'll be talking about the Murfreesboro Airport and MTSU and uh, the relationships. Sounds good. And, and Larry was uh, hired by MTSU, and I think it... Uh, He's pretty much free right now, so we'll see how that goes. All right. Bye-bye. From NHC's Adams Place.
home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.